Good evening, Patriots, and today is the end of Tuesday, April 4th in the year 2023. We're going to be talking a lot in the in most of the shows at one point or another about the current crisis, and that's the dollar, how it relates to us, and how it relates to us spiritually, economically, physically, those whole things, because this is an unraveling situation that's going to move very fast. And it's continuing to move very quickly, which is a bit stunning. Even for some of the people that I've talked to, they didn't expect it to happen quite this fast. So I think in real real terms, most of us could have anticipated this if we were paying attention and at least saw something like this was going to happen. Uh, just another footnote, um, many thanks to Duncan, Kilted Christian, for running the show this evening. And just so you're aware, Tuesday nights for the next six weeks, Tuesday Bards FM will be pre-recorded, but aired by Duncan. Just so you're aware, I mean it's you're, it's transparent to you. The whole show's done, but and I'm doing that because I'm in the process of taking a welding class with my dad. And ironically, Duncan's doing a welding class during the day. Again, just expanding out the skills that we need. And it's important that you're getting as many skills as possible. I welded when I was in high school, and um, this is going to be a six-week course of just kind of getting the basics down again. And there's a lot to welding. You're not going to master it in six, six classes, two hours long by any means. But it's enough to get the basics down. And that's where we need to get with a lot of skills so that we can move forward. And once you start doing something, just like baking sourdough, once you start it and you do it regularly every week or in some cases every day or every other day, you just, you're going to build skills and capacity. And that's what the most important thing is right now is getting a lot of these skills under our belt. And it's important. Things are changing very quickly. So with that in mind... Health is always part of the focus that we need to have. This time that we live is intended to be enormously stressful. And that is by design. And it's by design to try to wear people down, wear your sleep down, get you fatigued, etc. A few weeks ago, as I introduced the product, which is an amazing product, Field of Greens, the company, I, I love the product, and they, they came to Bards FM to want to be part of this community. And I love the product because it's one of the few labels that I've actually read where I read it like a grocery label, meaning it's all whole foods. Those foods are organically grown, and then they are freeze-dried, and then they are milled down into a powder. And that's what's in Field of Greens. And everything in Field of Greens is designed, every food product in there is assembled to affect some place in your body, some organ, some part of your immune system. Very easy to do. You, one scoop, mix it with water, shake it up, drink it once a day. Fantastic product. And they come with that unbelievable guarantee that if you take it for, if you take a course of it and you go to your next doctor's appointment and your doctor doesn't say something like, whatever you're doing, keep doing it, your health is better, they'll refund your money. So if you head on over to fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com, 
The link is below the podcast. Use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S. You're going to save 15%. And then if you sign up for regular delivery, a monthly service, however you say that, subscription, you're going to save an additional 10%. The great thing is that you don't need to stay with a subscription. If it's something you decide you don't want, you can cancel it at any time or suspend it if you find you're getting too much product or whatever. But this is a good product. And I think you know me well enough that I don't endorse things that I don't try and I don't test. (laughs) So I always laugh at myself. I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I putting in my body now? Fortunately, this one worked out really well and I didn't get something in my body where I grew a second head or something like that. Then that'd be a little awkward. I don't think I'd be endorsing it for you. But I do love Field of Greens. I love the people that run the company. I think they're great. So check it out, fieldofgreens.com. It is a whole food body supplement. And to me, that fits in an alignment with everything we're trying to do, which is to try to go back, to get back to the core of what God gives us on this earth, to keep care of ourselves and keep our body immune system strong. So fieldofgreens.com, Bards, your promo code is BARDS, 15% off, and then you save an additional 10 if you want to sign up for their subscription service. It's a good deal. I want to read something. This is a scenario. And I don't know if this is where we're headed, but I don't think it's far out of out of bounds. Um, this is Vincent Kennedy put this up earlier today. International bank run on, this is kind of the scenario, international bank run on the U.S. dollar, the U.S. defaults, liquidity crisis, CBDCs go into effect, redemption period to convert to CBDC, and then it's ill-gotten U.S. dollars worldwide locked out, and then uh, ODL activated for liquidity, and I don't know what he's meaning by ODL. This is a time right now when we are being forced into a crisis because of the criminals that ruined our country and ruined the economic situation in the world. And the only way out of it is for them to crash the system and reset it. And the only way to reset it and crash the system with this much debt is to change the nature of what we consider to be money, but it's actually a debt currency. The new currency rolling out with CBDC is that it is intended to be a time-limited currency that ties in with a social credit score. And that social credit score then reflects how they see you as a compliant slave into the society, which the more compliance you are, the more rewards you're able to use, more more able, more capable you are able to use the currency that they give you, and they put a time lock on it. So you have to use your currency every month before they renew it. This is all where they're headed. It's on their website. You can check it out on the Fed. And then what they'll do is that if you don't spend it by the end of the month, you lose it. Their reset may not be as much because they determine that you're not, you get a negative on your net, on your social credit score because you didn't spend all your money. And you can only spend it on things that they approve. And you can only spend it on merchants that they approve. So you can see the ripple effects of this right away. In trying to completely liquidate the middle class, consolidate all power within the international corporate folks like Walmart, Costco, um, 
Kroger are some of them, to name three, that are common in most people's neighborhood in some version of those. And there's others. You'll have car dealers, Ford, GM, you know, Chrysler. They'll be part of the of the gang. Your your main banks, they're they're waging war right now on smaller banks to break their back or cause them to give in to the six major banks that are going to control everything. The Fed wants to have control of all this, all banking. And so that system is in place. And we've talked quite a bit about that, but I'm just going to keep, there's, as people come in and out of shows, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same level. The discussion I had earlier this evening with Mike Adams, and it was, it was a great discussion. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, we took that interview just earlier today. And it's a, he's very insightful into a number of things about technologies. I am always going to be skeptical of technology, as you know, my position, but there is a reality that technologies, technologies are coming. And a lot of what depends on the change of the heart of the people. We have been very geared as a public to believe in ourself and our own wealth accumulation. And that's been indoctrinated from us, from our parents and into now. When we go to our grandparents, and I'm Gen 6 or Gen X, so that puts, I'm at, you know, where I sit right now at my age, which 58 is a place where I, my grandparents, were products of a different era. And that different era was about simpler living. Wealth was not seen in terms of purely money, but wealth was translated into the basics, food, shelter, clothing. So at this moment in time, in a nation where Wealth is really translated towards what car you drive, what house you live in, what your credit card limit is. This is really the juncture and the in this split that we're making in this essence of, a, of an exodus. And don't kid yourself, we are in an exodus right now. It's a matter of where people are going to choose to walk. And that's the moment in time that we all have to choose whom we shall serve. What sits before us is a change that we didn't ask for. It's a change that's being forced upon us because the criminal class that seized control of nations, that have reinforced their ranks with pedophiles, baby rapers, and weenie snippers, this group of people are criminal. And they see themselves as superior to us and us as lesser to them. Unfortunately, we've accepted that place to a large degree as a public. And we have not lived into Luke ten nineteen and John fourteen twelve. So Luke ten nineteen being, Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. 
Those are Christ's words. That's red-letter language. John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Those two passages to me are some of the most important passages in this present time to really define our role and purpose. Now, obviously, one of the fundamental rules that Christ told us is love thy neighbor and don't harm the little ones. So that's kind of a fundamental way of operating. But in terms of our mission and our role, I see Luke 10, 19 and John 14, 12 as two exceptionally important passages to be focused on right now. It gives us an opportunity to look at the world and say, how did we get here? And we can go to Luke 10, 19 and say, because we didn't live into Luke 10, 19. And we look at all of this demonic work that's going on in the world, the rise of these Satanists, the number of people that are lost and injured, and this vast sea of people that have been damaged by the vax and other damages by other vaccines. And we can ask ourselves, how is this going to get fixed? And we need to look at John 14, 12 and say, okay, we've been told how to do this. The question is, are we living into it and how do we get there? That's going to take a lot of work on each one of our parts. And it's going to take a lot of trust and belief. There's a lot of unlearning to do right now for many of us. Because we've been so heavily conditioned in this world to truly believe that we are not of that type. You don't hear many churches pushing this idea, especially this line, and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Let me read something to you that I think is very relevant in another scripture that ties into this very well and I think makes the point of the magnitude of what is said in that passage. Give me just a second while I find where I put it now that I seem to have misplaced it, which is wonderful. Um, here we go. Hebrews 10, 11 to 13. A really amazing passage. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, but... He, having offered one sacrifice for sin for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, awaiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. That's Christ. So the question is, who is supposed to be making his enemies into the footstool for his feet? I will draw your attention back to John 
14.12. I'm sorry, back to Luke 10.19. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Fundamental right there. See, our role is profound right now. And we need to start understanding that this idea of waiting for Christ to return and then just to sit aside and wait because he's coming, that's not our mission here. We were cast into this world behind enemy lines. I mean, look at it like this. I mean, let's let's make us I'm gonna make a kind of a a fictitious, fictitious movie based on our scenario. Okay, so bear with me a minute. I want you to imagine a character, a story, where these amazing children of God, of this supernatural, powerful, wonderful God, are suddenly brought into a world, and they're scattered. And they're scattered all over the world. And they're put into these bodies that are in, these bodies are perfectly designed. And they wake up in these bodies. And when they're very young, they have a real connection with God. But now they're brought into this world and slowly the influences of the world are coming in on them. And as they navigate through this and get their feet under them and try to figure things out, Little by little, that young voice that was, when they were young, that voice that was in them begins to push through all of the conditioning of a world that wants them to be compliant, that knows what they are. Because these wonderful creations are the greatest threat the world has ever seen. Not because they're evil, but because they represent transformation into the most powerful place ever, and it's love. So efforts are put in, so much efforts are put into training and conditioning and and getting these people to feel that the only life that they have is in this world. And little by little, that voice that they knew when they were young begins to awaken. They begin to ask questions. And then they're drawn to a book. And this book, as they read it, tells a story and they get to know this amazing, these amazing number of warrior characters and they get to know this person that is, took human form and went through, did incredible things here on earth. And sooner or later, they, they even went through the most horrific pain and suffering all to give us life. And as they look at this book, they realize what they're holding here is a field manual. A field manual of how to fight and win. And as they get to a point, suddenly they they just pause. And it, you can see this, you could see all these different scenes all at once where each one of them suddenly pauses, gets on their knees and looks up and says, Oh my goodness, I know where I come from. I know who I am. And then they begin this fight, this adventure across the world 
finding each other and linking up and finding this incredible number of them and some more awake than others and they're helping each other and pretty soon they're healing each other and they're raising up this amazing army and then they do the, oh, this is kind of like almost Lord of the Rings stuff, isn't it? It's kind of exciting. There's no Frodo in the story though, just so we're clear. See, you see how exciting of a story we're living? Do you realize what an amazing story we're in right now? And we're living the greatest epic story ever. And here we are awakening to who we are. And it takes courage, right? I mean, you can imagine like, not that anybody would have ever experienced something like this. Because we know that in our world, anything that's said by Christ is so honored that people seek it and run after it. But you, of course, you would never encounter somebody saying, oh, what is that nonsense of you thinking that you, have, you could do greater works than Christ? You blasphemous fool. <laughs> we would never run into anything like that in our world because our world, of course, all seeks the Holy Spirit. And our world listens to the red letter language. In our world, we, we empower ourselves with the belief in this and we seek it. Even though we may not find it, we seek it and we turn to God and we say, yes, Father, here I am, Father. Send me, Father. I'm ready, Father. We know that that's how our world is. <laughs> we all know that. At least I know how Bard's nation is and that's our world here. And I'm good with that. Because that's our pursuit, I would hope. And you may not agree with me, and that's always your, your choice, okay? That's always your choice. I just know, like I've told you many times, if Christ is telling me something in red letter language and it's pre-cross, it's not a lie. That's what I'm telling you. And you can take that to prayer and do whatever you need to do. Come back later and send nasty emails to me or whatever, and I'll just be like, I love you anyway. Keep going. Anyway, you see my point. So this is the most exciting time we live. It's wonderful. And of course, what's happening on a global level is that people are awakening not always to him, but they're awakening to the fact that there's a criminal element that's doing wrong in this world. And we're, we're wired to do good for one another, for the most part. I mean, there's some evil people out here, and there's, there's going to be some of that, and they need to be dealt with. And by the way, if you are a pedophile, a child diddler, or you are, are abusing kids or encouraging kids to go through mutilation because of a gender change, there's at least one millstone waiting for you, so there's not going to be any games played on that one. And I'll be happy to tie him around your neck and kick your butt out the boat too because I'll sit in front of Father and say, yep, read it in the book. Just had to put on my steel boots and tie the rope. And it's handled. But that's another story. So, I mean, there's so much, so much about who we are is good. You know, I've been reading some of these great testimonies and 
There's one here. I'm going to read it tonight. I, I, I love this testimony. The sourdough revolution, which we've talked about, which has so much root in the spiritual essence of bread and breaking bread and feeding the masses. I mean, it's it's all there. And I'm not taking credit for this. I'm telling you because this came to me in prayer. Father's like, do the sourdough revolution. I'm like, okay, what's that? And it didn't take much to get a nudge to go, oh, well, that's pretty brilliant. Let's do this. So listen to this testimony. And this was written by one of our B-dads. It's a wonderful story. Brief, but it's good. It says, Bards, bake two loaves this morning and a batch of dinner rolls. I have a sweet story regarding the sourdough revolution. We had a loaf of sourdough bread to give the neighbors, and they were not home. So Jameson and I, her son, I believe, could be, prayed about who to share it with and took the loaf with us on the errands, and he spotted a gentleman in a wheelchair panhandling and said that that was the person he wanted to give the bread to. We prayed with him, gave him a couple of dollars and the loaf of bread. Thanks for the inspiration. Love thy neighbor. What a great testimony. I got a text from Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, who's going to be on the show, I think, Friday night. And um, he, he, he heard the sourdough. I sent him this, by the way. And I just said, sourdough revolution. Commit to making sourdough each week. Share one loaf with someone God leads you to. Leads you to. Bard's nation is lit on fire with this. And he wrote back, he said, I can't believe you sent this to me. I was just praying to God. We need a revolution. And he said, there it is. And he's baked, he just went out to get stuff tonight to start baking bread tomorrow morning. See, it's catches because it's fundamentally who we are. So in, in all this craziness, and there's a lot of craziness, and it's going to get crazier. It's going to get nuttier. They're trying to force us into their, their commerce. Their dumbness, their their way of being. They're going to crash the economy. They're going to cut out access to the dollars. They're going to give you a grace period. They're going to try to panic you. Tell you you're never going to get your money back unless you agree to the CBDC. Well, here's my two responses on that. It's not money to begin with. It's a debt currency. Number two, God doesn't deal with debt currencies. He deals with resources, and he has unlimited resources, and so as we deal with this, you'll have to walk your own walk on this and do your own prayers on this. But the fact of the matter is, if you go inside the system with them, you, may not, you might not come back out. I don't mean that flippantly, and I don't mean that lightly. This step here is to grab as many souls as they can to enslave them into a system that's designed to control every move and breath you take. So what sits on the outside of that? And it fundamentally goes to the place of what we're doing in the sourdough revolution and what our mission is. Love thy neighbor, but understand that we have authority over this enemy. And as we have authority over this enemy, we also have the gifts of being able to do the works that Christ did and the greater works than he. Now, if I was the enemy and knowing that 
we were awakening to some of this. I don't even care if it was 300 people. I'd start to worry because God wiped out a whole army with 300. He destroyed another army by taking out one. That was David with a stone between the eyes of Goliath. And he showed an interesting mercy for Jericho as they walked around the city seven days and, and seven times on the seventh day. And this is not spoken, but it's implied, I believe, in reading that story and other things, that there is a period of almost grace or mercy that God gives to this city to, at, to give them an opportunity to repent, which they don't. And then the walls fall and game on, and away they go, and they take care of all the problems. So we're in this amazing place right now where the true sense of who we are is truly beginning to awaken to us. And there's a lot of relearning to do and a lot of things we have to seek because it's not been native in the way we've grown up. Children are native to it. I've witnessed it too often. They're, they're amazing as they connect with God. It's natural to them if we give them the space. But they also need our protection and they also need our guidance. In our, and so this is a time when we have to reach deeper, go further, go farther. This is my narrative here on this. So you can stand with me or walk with me on this, or you can say, eh, you're crazy, I'm not going to do it. I, you're not going to offend me here because I'm committed to a path that I'm sharing in my journey. You are welcome to walk it, something similar, welcome to walk it together. But I just want to, want to be very clear. I understand very clearly where God has me. And I understand what my purpose is. And I understand how he has me walking, why he put me three and a half years in Afghanistan, why I have that warrior's part of me and how I've had to struggle with tempering the warrior that wants to wield the sword of steel as he pushes me towards embracing the power of the sword of the spirit. As he's opened my eyes to the mightiness of what actually that means and how much greater we are when we have a loving and forgiving heart. And as we struggle with having to forgive and love people that we don't want to, how much more in God and with Christ we become. And with that, how that opens up the doors to justice that takes on forms that we don't even understand sometimes. We look at something like the walls of Jericho and we imagine a mighty, bold lightning bolt that's going to wipe it all open and we're going to crush it by going in and slaying everybody. But we don't often enough put in the narratives where as we forgive and as we love, we crack the hardened hearts of others. And though we may not exactly like the response we get, they come humbly into the circle of the body of Christ. And in so doing, we get reunited. This is a time of, of our own vulnerabilities because in this process, we have to shed away our barriers, our hesitations to be open to God about the sins that we've done. Not everybody carries that. Some do. Most do. And we have to confront that, and then we have to separate that from our own pride and our own arrogance and our own ego 
And most of the pride is built around an encasement because we don't want to have to face that accountability. And so we're confronted with challenging moments. I've got a number of them on my plate right now, and I'm going to be very honest. I'm not going to get into them tonight, but I hate them because I know I have to do them. I know God wants me to do them. And I'm, I'm, I'm just being right now a little bit of a brat because I'm dragging my feet and trying to come up with excuses of why not to do it, though I know in the back of my head God's going to win on this really easily, and he knows I'm being a brat, but he's being patient with me. And I can tell you all that for real. But he's made it pretty clear that I have to do certain things of forgiveness and I need to heal some wounds that in one way or another I was part of. Whether a little bit or a lot is irrelevant, I was part of it. And I may have to take the bulk of the forgiveness on it. And I'll be honest, it's like that I struggle with this sometimes. Like, Lord, what are you doing to me? And he's like, I need you to do this. And I'm going to end there. I mean, I will arrive there soon, but I have my normal little tantrum that I throw, which I'm doing in this moment in time, is sharing it with you so you can walk this path of me being that little child that's stamping his feet going, I'm not going to do it that moment, knowing darn well that I'm going to comply to exactly what Father wants me to do. I will be truly obedient. But it's the process that we all have to go through right now, and this is what I'm reflecting on is that every one of us is going to be in this process. And we're going to have to start looking at this unity in the body of Christ, and we're so well positioned to do amazing things in this world as we forgive. And forgiving isn't an easy place. And the thing that I think we struggle with so much is like, okay, well, what about that person that's evil? And my first answer is going to be, We need to make sure that they're truly evil or if they're just misguided. That's wisdom. But I'm also going to be the first to tell you that there is such a thing as pure evil, and we are to do have nothing to do with it. In fact, if God so leads the hand on pure evil, you may end up in the place of Joshua or David, for that matter. Because justice will come. But going back to what God put on my heart, first or second week in January when I so frustratedly talked to him and we were praying about a loving and forgiving heart and we got hit with the Balenciaga issue and then I'm like, all right, Father, seriously, like this is a great idea of a loving and forgiving heart. This was my conversation, by the way. I'm like, but this doesn't sell well when we have a bunch of pedophile freaks that are exploiting kids And you want us to love and forgive this? I I don't know that I can do this. So you need to show me something here because I'm not seeing it. And that's when he asked me the question, which I've shared here before. Who's your enemy? And I was literally stopped dead in my tracks because I couldn't point at it. I've seen the enemy before. I can point at him. I can see him over the hill. I could see him behind the building. I could see him digging a hole in an IED that was going to try to blow me up. I've seen them detonate an IED that tried to kill me, and it missed me. I got a piece of shrapnel in my, in my arm. I've seen the guy come out of the mosque and drive a motorcycle right behind my vehicle as I pulled away and tried to blow me up, and he blew up right behind me. Yeah, I've seen the enemy. I've seen the enemy in pieces, too, as he blew himself up. 
So being seeing the enemy is very real, very visceral to me. I've walked by the enemy's bodies that blew themselves up or sh were shot in the gunfight. So when Father says to me, who's the enemy? And I can't put a face and a piece to it. And I realize that I'm talking in euphemisms. And I'm saying, they, 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 they. Okay, who's your enemy? And I can't answer it. And he knew I couldn't answer that question. And he says, you must master the loving and forgiving heart. And you must lean into me for justice. And I got it, but I didn't get it. And I have worked through this and it has grown within me and it has like everything God does and everything Father does. It's a seed that then builds a massive forest within us that grows and transforms us. And it's as I do this, myself as a warrior, he changed me with that one little drop right there. Because then my eye shifted from Paul and the sword in the garden to Jesus and the sword of the Spirit. And I began to look at this lens so differently, knowing that I was walking at some point, most of my time I'm walking with that vision of, of, of I'm, I said Paul, I meant Peter, Peter with the sword. And I'm, I, my eyes shifted to Jesus with the healing of the ear. And as I work through that, I'm like, we know who the greater warrior is here. But Jesus still flipped tables. And Jesus still confronted the Pharisees in their temple. And Jesus did not give in because of he was going to love them and say, it's all better now. He held, them to their, he held their feet to the fire. But Jesus understood that there were many that were misguided. He also understood those that had suffered the most or most reviled and how easy it was for them to understand the principles of what he was teaching, hence his meeting with the tax collector and the, and the prostitutes. And they rebuked him for it. They tried, to, they tried to do like they do with everybody out here that does the right thing, even in this day, if you try to do the right thing with the right people, how they come at you. So in all of these things in framing, and I look at this path over the last four months, and then I backtrack to six months before that, and before that, I start to see a continuity of how fathers walked with me. And I think every one of us has that continuity. And we're all here now in this time in a most amazing moment when suddenly if we really think to what Father has led us to do, and I was doing a lot of this today in reflection of, you know, thinking I'm like, okay, I'm getting nudged to go do this, or I'm getting nudged to go purchase this, or I'm getting nudged to start stocking up on this. And I backtrack this, and I'm most amazed humbled, it would be a, pro a more appropriate term, massively humbled before him saying, thank you, Father. Not only did you show me, but you gave me the blessing of being able to hear. None of us are ready for the change. It, none of us think we're ready for where we are. Because you can't ever be fully ready 
when a world suddenly is going to fall apart like it is about ready to do. The entire architecture of Babylon is about ready to fall. And it's going to fall. There's no catching this one. But what they're going to do is what they always do. They're going to try to use fear and they're going to use anxiety and they're going to use hatred, division, race wars. They're going to try to provoke everybody to hate each other. Why? Because they know if we don't hate each other, we will identify who the problem is and it's them. Those, the true evil, the ones we are not supposed to deal with, the ones that we are supposed to revile, the ones we are not supposed to worry about bringing back to heaven because they're the ones that sort of the mighty sort of father will fall upon. But we are supposed to focus on each other. We are supposed to be bold and lead the many to show them what it is to be fearless, to proclaim authority over this enemy, to stand as the captain of the Lord of Hosts army stood and proclaim this as kingdom's ground, not in the middle of the Luciferian pendulum, but for us to truly stand with Father because we are the sons and daughters of the Most High. What does that mean? And it's unbelievable. It means we're royalty. That's not arrogance. That's what it means. It is, we are the sons and daughters of the Most High made in his image. And we have been given dominion over evil in this earth. That has to mean something to everybody, I would hope. And though we may not understand always how to operate in there because we have never been shown, the place to find that information centers on his wisdom, which he will share with us because the Holy Spirit will give us what we need as long as we trust and walk in that place. And so when we get to that place of struggling, as some do with John 14, 12, and saying, okay, what, what does that really mean to do what Christ did? What does that really mean to do greater works from he? And I say, I don't necessarily know, but I know this. I know where the answer is. And it's not in fear, and it's not in frustration, and it's not in denial. And it's not in doubt. It rests in the truth of our worship in him. And he will reveal as we trust in him and we ask him to guide us and we embrace that as a truth. Because right now, we're on the cusp of something amazing happening. And here's my shared prayer for you before we do prayer this evening. And it's this, I want all of us to share it together. I don't say this in arrogance. I don't say this for us because if you think about the consequences of Luke 10, 19 and John 14, 12, what you're thinking about, what you're realizing is we become those that deliver the many from slavery and set them free. Help them set themselves free is a better term. Help them set themselves free. Do you realize how gloriful that is in the place of kingdom? Because we're serving kingdom, not ourselves. And when we mourn and we suffer over the idea that children are damaged by the vax, we are working through the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, to help restore them to the perfection which God wants. And of course, it always falls down to Father's intent. Maybe not everybody will be healed. Maybe not everybody gets that benefit because he has something else in mind. 
But the fact is that we become representative agents, disciples. We become kings and queens of kingdom here on earth. As we await, as we occupy, and as we expand, and as we fight every day until that day that Christ returns. How many times have I said this, but I'm going to change it just a little bit tonight. If God called me on the hotline right now, my cell phone, and said, My son, Jesus will be there in one hour. I'm honest when I tell you this. I would say, Father, unless you are ordering me to be there, I'll be late. I'm going to be doing what you asked me to do. There's more people to save. There's more people to bring home. And I'm not going to be the first in line. I love my Savior. I love him. But you can't. You tasked me with a mission. And until those orders are rescinded and new orders given, I shall be on that front line, speaking the truth, finding those that need to be healed, casting out demons, and confronting whatever evils around me, and trying to understand what you mean by greater works than he. But I'll live into it as you lead me. And I will always obey. This is an exciting time to live. Do not fear. Do not have anxiety. Do not doubt what Father can do for us in this time. Yes, there is financial issues going on, but we cannot be blessed with the fullness of kingdom as long as we live under this Babylonian nonsense and we are ending up in one way or another being victims or entrapped by the slavery of worship of money. And that's what we're watching fall. And that's what we've prayed for many times for those who have joined in those prayers. To see the power, the tower of Babylon fall, to release us from this bondage. So we are seeing it now. And this exodus is now beginning. And it's an amazing moment in time to be alive. To literally be living through epics of the Bible witnessing the word in real life, reliving what we're doing now is the words we've read in the scriptures and before us we're seeing things happen and we're saying, man, that, re that reminds me of this person or that person or this story because that's the time in which we live. What an amazing time to live. And so there's strength in the word. There's greatness in the word. There's empowerment in the word for us to stand now and know that the lessons that we're told over and over in the Bible is never give in. And we shall always overcome through him. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to live any other time. And I have a suspicion that there are armies of angels that are looking down upon us and a cloud of witnesses that are looking down upon us saying, we are so happy for you. We are so much with you and so proud of all of you for being so bold and to carrying forth the mission and never forgetting what we stood for and living something that we now wish we could all be there with you to truly now confront this evil and do it fearlessly. And my children, don't doubt, continue forward 
and raise the sword of the Spirit and fear not, for he is with you. He is with you. That's probably a reasonable interpretation of what our cloud of witnesses are going through right now, at least as they witness us. Let's pray. Father God, we are so deeply humbled, always humbled to be here as a group as we come together, pray and celebrate your love and celebrate the glory and the beauty of all that you give. Father, this is an amazing time you've placed us, uh, placed us here. And it's a time that in this process, as we lean into you, we just find an immeasurable amount of love that continues to pour out. And in doing so, we are transformed. We're separating ourselves truly from this Luciferian pendulum matrix nonsense that constantly tries to teach us that somehow warfare is to kill each other, harm each other, beat each other. And in the process, we're embracing a deeper power, a deeper greatness. It's centered in love for one another. So, Father, our prayers this evening, love thy neighbor. It's, it was a directive by Christ. So let us love our neighbors. Let us get to know our neighbors and let us appreciate what that means to do of the highest order for them, to show the greatness of kingdom. However we do that and to continue to live into this place that we are literally realizing that we are transforming a world by our simple acts of kindness. To not doubt the small actions, to not worry about these big things that are far beyond our reach, to pray as we will pray, to trust in the power of prayer, and to dig deep within the gifts that you gave us, and to seek your wisdom and guidance to lead us where you need us, to truly become more full and more complete in the gifts and wonders of kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for the all that you've given, all that you've sacrificed. There's no words enough to speak to what you went through and what you've given us in return. And so our prayers now are to walk in the honor of what that means, to live into that in a mighty way, to honor you in every breath, every step, to understand the true power of every word spoken and every thought made, to push ourselves to new levels of accountability and in so doing free ourselves more from the bondage of hatred and negativity and the base level of living of this old world, to know that in this process we will be standing on the outside that will be visible and often targeted. And that should make our hearts just shine, knowing that in that place we will be persecuted. Let it come, bring it. Because in so doing, as we walk 
in the glory of all that you were, Jesus, we're giving great honor to all that you gave to us. So, Father, we just ask for the continued blessings and wisdom to come down upon us, to open our hearts truly to a deeper meaning and, and functions and purpose of Luke 10, 19, and to guide us into understanding again what it truly means, Jesus, when you say, when you spoke John 14, 12. Let us now start to walk into that space where the miracles of the living God, the supernatural God, start to happen before us, that we become the conduits. And in so doing, watching those of the order of Lucifer crumble before us as we bring the joy and the release from slavery and bondage to the many that are still wandering and searching and some still in darkness. Bless us in these days, Father. We seek your wisdom and humbly place ourselves before you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, I don't know about you, but if you can't tell, I'm pretty excited about this time. It's probably one of those things running to the sound of the drums, or better, running to the sound of the guns. Fortunately, we don't have cannons blowing off on our perimeter, trying to pound our cities, at least not yet. All I know is we were born for this, every one of us. And if you're here, you were definitely born for this. God brought us together here. Whatever we proclaim ourselves in our, in our daily lives, referencing the fact we're Bard's Nation or Bedads or whatever, we are all under the banner of Christ. And that's what binds us. That's the true sense of coming together. So let us live it fully. Let us embrace those gifts of what's been given with great joy, glee, and excitement. Let's run to the sound of the guns. Let us lead the many. Let us listen to the wisdom of Father. Let us trust in Him to know that we're not going to be hooked on the obsessions of mammon, but instead focused on the gifts of heaven and the trust that Father shall provide. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. Oh, I wanna open my hands 
Yeah.